Welcome everyone to Podcast Extra. This is episode number 192, coming to you from the Green Room in Northview Community Church, where the temperature has risen 20 degrees in the last three minutes in here. <laughs> that was uh, my doing. Andy may start unzipping his... What kind of jacket You know, I spend that? half of my life in a hot tub, Darcy. I need lots of heat, man. I don't know what... I, I think you I inherited spent, this from my mom. How do you spend half your life in a hot tub? Whenever I get a chance to get in a hot tub, I'm in it. Do you have a hot tub at home? I do. I do. I made one. Bought we it, made should... One. W- you what? I bought it on Craigslist for $250. It's the best $250 I've ever spent. So you made one or you bought one on Craigslist? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It was a little bit of both. There's a story. There's then, a story. Because then I also made a Wii. <laughs> can, you, can you just let him finish the story? Hey, I made a car. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know what, guys? This is why you haven't been over to my house for dinner, but as he has... Why? That's right. Did Ezzy go in the hot tub? No. No. No, but that's... Oh! So you don't invite people into no, the no, hot no, tub? No, 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 no. Hot water... Uh, water is safest when in a glass. Black yeah. people don't do Black people don't tub. swim, buddy. Oh, so you don't shower. Well, that's what Ezzy told me. That, well, tub. that'll explain things for sure. So... So are you just always wrinkly? Like pruny? <laughs> Sorry. I don't, know. I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> you said half your life's in a hot tub. I would assume that would be fairly pruny. All I'm saying is I'm cold a lot. Well, did you nick- did you watch the Super Bowl from the hot tub? No, but that would have been awesome. Is this why awesome. is this why your nickname is Raisin? <laughs> <laughs> no. Welcome here. Uh, if you have any questions, and we're actually getting down on questions a little bit, you can send them to extra at norfew.org. With me is Jeremy, the intern, our producer and uh, director and timekeeper. Hello. <laughs> That's me. And Ezra's busily looking up something in his computer. He's here. Hi. He just gave a thumbs up. Jeff is here. Hi. Greg is here. Hi. Andy the Raisin Steiger is here. <laughs> I'm here. Wondering if I should go. <laughs> well, first thing we got to talk about um, Jeff and Andy. Jeff's profit status, you mean? Yeah. Jeff and Andy <laughs> predicted a Patriots win. The no, rest of us but, predicted Seahawks. But not just a Patriots win. You said 24-23 Patriots. Right. The specifics were a little bit muddy, but but <laughs> the general tenor of the game, did I not? Did I not suggest that it would be a crazy Patriot comeback in the end and something yeah, ridiculous would know. happen? I think I said something about a two-point conversion I, I, in the I, end. I usually don't I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. Hmm. I'm just saying. Andy just predicted Patriots. He wouldn't go with a score. So Jeff, you win. Come on now. Well, That's you didn't give a score. He right. gave a score. I didn't win. That's true. Believe me, I didn't win. <laughs> Andy, Andy predicted this the team based on whose quarterback he thought was better looking. So. Did you, know, you have the man crush on Tom Brady? Well, hey, I'm not going to deny it. Well, you know, you guys want to hear the truth. Here's no, the truth. I don't. Does okay. this mean Why, every other time you're lying to us? <laughs> yeah. Now the truth. You don't actually have a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have a hot tub. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, I, some of you know I uh, have a book coming out in March. Oh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that I have a book coming out in March? And I talk about Tom Brady in the book. And, and it, we, it mentions that he has three Super Bowl rings. So the, the oh, book is wrong. it's already out of date. Yeah, the book, book hasn't even been printed yet, and it's out of date. Why don't so, you send them a note and say you need to change the three to a four? So here's, here's the thing. I was actually... Rooting for Seahawks because <laughs> I didn't want my book to already be out of date. Wow! So, and then, and then Pete, they blow it. And then Pete Carroll decided <laughs> to take your face and uh, shove it 
right into the mud like he did the rest of us. Yep. Why just, why not you know, just run the ball? Just, well, you know what? This is the why? because you know it's easier to step back and throw things at people. <laughs> <laughs> they well, have, they those uh, Yeah, whatever. I you know, could, you know I, there's, there's a lot I can say about for the years. Imagine being a, a Buffalo Bills fan. Greg and I were talking yeah, about this morning yeah. what a couple years in a row they had kicks like, to win the Super Bowl and they missed like both of them. Three, they were in They were three in a row four, or four in a row. Four, I think they were four in a row, I think. And they had a couple of them where they had last-minute field goals to win it, and they missed them. And was the announcer probably said right before the kick, this guy is the most accurate kicker in yeah. the league. I <laughs> think that's how it worked at Buffalo. <laughs> and if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you know the name uh, Ernest Biner, who fumbled the ball on the uh, he fumbled the ball in the AFC Championship game years ago. Anyway, this is sports, man. Yeah. This is what it's like in Seattle to be a sports oh, fan. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, so, but you know what? We had one year. Where God decided that He would smile on us, so we should be thankful for that. It's better. It's I thought better. God was still smiling when Curse had that oh, catch know. right at but the end. No, that was the a He was just setting catch. us up to show us our idol. Yeah. Well. The end. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so we can be thankful for that. And then He dumped a foot of snow in New England. So I don't know. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Although it's not sunny in Seattle today. I don't, I'm not no, thinking. It's not. And I was supposed to be at that game. And he kept you from going. He did. Three times we had tickets to have them then pulled out from under us. Mm. So, so we're thinking of writing were, So basically they were really it. close. You yeah. were really close to having them. Yes. You basically thought you had them. We actually, yes. And then they were taken away from you in a cruel set of circumstances. Y yes. They weren't, they weren't handed to you. It's like something. They were thrown to someone else. <laughs> That's what you're saying. It's like there's a parallel with something else that I just I can't put my I'm finger not, on quite yet. I'm not catching If that. you just give me the tickets instead of throwing them to the uh, yes. others. Greg's yeah. not catching this one. Yeah, I see how that works. No, it's his beard. It's gone. So right. I'm like Samson. Well, it's like the Sonics, right? The he could have handed them to a local buyer. Yeah. But instead they threw them to Oklahoma City. Wow. And now they become the most hated team on the planet for me. For you, yeah. Uh, Not for, for most Oklahoma. others. Wow. It is God's... I take such great joy that the Lord has prohibited them from winning anything since then. I think... Hey, let's bring us back to something something interesting I saw. Your book? No. <laughs> but we will get there. Oh, your worry. book isn't interesting. <laughs> well, I was just saying, I saw in The Economist that they were saying that on Super Bowl Sunday, more people were watching the Super Bowl than went to church on Sunday. Uh-huh. And just on that particular Sunday or in general? No, on that particular on okay. that particular 115 Sunday. million. That's a US number. That watched the game. One hundred and fifteen million. That's yeah, a the, third. the Canadian that's a third. the Canadian number was nine million. And at some point I heard this on the radio this morning driving to work. And um, at some point during the game, it peaked at about 19 million Canadians. Mm -hmm. Wow. Watch the game. Half Speaking of that, I think my favorite moment of the entire game was the commercial with Liam Nielsen. Nielsen? Did, did you? Yeah. No, I said it wrong, didn't I? Liam Neeson. Neeson. No, Neeson's. Neeson. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it is Liam Neeson. Is it? Yeah, no, no, you not. go take your phone call, Izzy. That's not. What is it now? Now I'm feeling all yeah. confused. It's Liam Neeson. Lion. That's what I said. Lion. Right. No, Lion? that's what I said. Rewind this. No, the whole lion thing. That was that was, a, that was a funny commercial. The whole commercial yeah. is comedy. Yeah. Do you know in 2017 we get the U.S. commercials? Now, I hope I hope Liam Neeson's in them. <laughs> Ridiculous. He's an emerging actor. <laughs> okay. Uh, He's got a particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, Extra Team. Uh, I would be so down for another video podcast on episode 100. Oh, wait a minute. We already we, went We actually already did that one. Check it online. I thought it was hilarious watching all of you guys in action last time. Man, you guys are so awesome. Way to be so awesome. And don't stop being so awesome. <laughs> Sent from? I'm not going to say Darcy which Goon. No, no. Okay, so I got a question for Steiger Tiger. It's actually Raisin Steiger. No, it's Steiger the Tiger. Come but on, obviously man. anyone can jump in on this and add their insight. So, Andy, we'll start with you. What is... Epistemic, is that saying right? No, epistemic. Epistemic. That's not spelt right then. Epistemic. Epistemic distance. What is that? Yeah. Uh, Epistemic distance is uh, is comes from the Greek word that has to do with knowledge, and specifically the idea of God's knowledge. And I'm interested. I'll share what this the idea is, and I'm interested to see what Jeff how. What Jeff thinks about I'm interested this. to see if you're going to answer the question. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> you gave the etymology, though. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. It comes from the cognate. <laughs> There's a Latin cognate. Well, I'll give you a little bit more. From this this idea was popularized by Søren Kierkegaard, a Danish theologian. Would you tell us what it means? <laughs> okay, so what it means is simply is this. Is this what your book is going to be like? Well, by the way, it is in the book. Okay. I do mention it in chapter you know, two. I feel like having a Danish. I just want you to hand this ta- this to me. Okay, so this is what it has to do with. It has to do with this idea of why God doesn't meet his... <laughs> and I Sorry. continue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, We're how back God on track. Doesn't make his... Why God doesn't make his presence more, more obvious. So it reminds me of when I was a kid. I remember laying in bed at night and just praying and saying, God, would you just turn on the light switch? Just do it once, and then I'll know. And, you know, and I'll never question your, your existence again. And I think there's other people that have either experienced that or other things where we say, okay, why doesn't God just put a big billboard up in the sky that says, hey, hey, everyone, P.S., I exist. You know? Yeah, I mean, he could rise someone from the dead, and they still wouldn't believe. Right. Well, then this, this brings in this that question. Was, that's what Jesus says, Luke 16, right? Exactly. In fact, I even challenged one of my atheist friends with this one time. I said, and give this one some thought, listeners, uh, if, uh, can God... Um, I, I said it this way. I can't think of a way that God could, could make himself known to you that you can't reason your way out of. Mm. Uh, you know, you can come up with an excuse to get out of any, anything. But back to this idea of epistemic distance, the idea being simply this. Uh, and this is where Kierkegaard went, and I'll tell you a quick parable that he, he gave to push this idea home. And I think this is fascinating. And he said, perhaps there needs to be a certain level of distance between us and God. Uh, specifically if we're ever to have any sort of real relationship with him. And the idea is just simply that if God is all-powerful, if God is, is all-good, like we're talking about God is the perfection of beauty, he's the perfection of wealth and power, then it would seem that his presence would be overwhelming. And, and the idea that Kierkegaard gives is he says, maybe it's like a prince that's going through a village and he looks out his carriage, sees this beautiful maiden, gets to the the you know to the the castle to the kingdom. He talks to his father about this beautiful maiden that he saw, and then he's going to go back in the village and he's going to go propose to her. And uh, before he does that, the king stops him and says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa bef- before you do that, just think about that." He says, "Is if you go down to that village with the power and the might of the kingdom, how could that poor girl say no to your proposal of marriage if not out of just sheer fear of your might?" or out of just the beauty of the kingdom and the wealth of the kingdom. And so 
Kierkegaard gets this idea from Solomon when he disguises himself as a shepherd to woo his beloved. And so the idea is, well, what if, and then the king tells you know, his son, what if you humble yourself, take on the form of a servant, and you woo that girl, and she, she uh, says yes to you, then you know that she truly loves you. And the idea just being simply that in Philippians chapter 2, we see that God humbled himself, became obedient as a servant as, unto death. Uh, ultimately, that we could actually have, that we could actually know God. And I, I think it's an interesting idea. I mean, how how could I actually know God or have any sort of real relationship yeah, I, with him unless he hid a certain level of his presence from me? Right. So that's epistemic distance. Right. So, like, I'm just, I'm just going to cite text here. Uh, the script, scriptures speak to the issue of epistemic distance. Romans 1, what, 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 is, what can be known about God is plain to them. So, so the argument or the assumption that it's so hard to believe in God or there's no evidence to believe in God is flatly contradicted in Scripture. Yeah. That is nature, usually, nature. That is usually yeah. a viewpoint that is being espoused. People who claim that there is such, it's so hard to believe in God is usually espoused by people who have already accepted a defeater belief that they're unwilling to challenge. So materialism, for example, that the only things in the world are material things. We know that to be the case, and that's the only th- that's their view, right? right? So they've already prejudged uh, that God cannot exist in a world where there's only material things, because I can't see him and touch him. I mean, when the cosmonauts went up in the 60s to, you know, the, the Russians went up to in the 1960s, up into space, the first thing they said, what, Yuri Gagarin? I went up there and God wasn't there. See, he's not there. Yeah, because you think he, everything's physical, and there, there's nothing beyond that. My point is that there are there are worldview problems with the at the get go, here with this. Wouldn't it also make sense too that the God who actually is exists in ways and beyond ways that are completely uh, 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 beyond ways of completely finding out? Or how do I best say that? That he's he's there is a mystery. In it. And there are things that you don't understand, like, for example, the idea that God could be sovereign and we could be responsible. These, these are tensions. There's no question about it. But I actually think that the fact that there's a tension is evidence that he is bigger and wiser than I am and that I just have to look at my own inability to understand my wife to know that I don't get it all the time. And, and so I, I just... Yeah, this is this is, tends to be my my discussion about this. So sometimes in our in our discussions about some of these ph- philosophical ideas, we forget that the scriptures actually in several places address some of them. Well, I would totally agree with you. Like with the Romans two thing, like clearly nature declares Romans one. Romans one. Sorry, Romans one. Yeah. Clearly, nature declares the glory of of the Lord, right. right? But what about where you know we have many times in the Old Testament it talks about you can't see God's face, right? And, right. And God has to hide Himself what, from people. What's what's meant what's meant there? Uh, yes, is and there is this. What, what's meant there has to do with God's God's holiness. Yeah, um, and it has to do with even this weekend in my sermon. You know, we you stand at we they're supposed to stand at a distance from the ark to see the to see the Lord. I've been reading through the Old Testament recently, and and you, you see again in Exodus 19 the on the mountain. Don't touch the mountain. God's going to come down the mountain. Don't touch the mountain. We're going to kill you because God is that holy but and this separate. This would be this would be epistemic distance without a doubt. And that's I I think that though. What I'm trying to say is that some people will use epistemic distance as an excuse for not for unbelief. Okay. I'm actually saying that it seems to me to be something that, uh, when you think about it, lends me toward belief. 
Yeah, and I think it's necessary. Question, well, why belief. is that? Why is that the case? And that's because we're starting from different starting points. Right. I'm assuming certain things, and you're assuming certain. Not you, Andy, but like right. the, the, it's a worldview issue. In the end, you you had mentioned in there. You talked about a defeater belief. Yeah. What are, what are some common or the most common defeater beliefs that that you guys would come across? Well, it can it can be anything from a a complete a defeated belief can be a complete all-encompassing explanation for all of the world okay uh, materialism or naturalism however you want to phrase that that is a an explanation of the grand story mm-hmm. so okay? like okay. so there there's one but there there are others smaller ones so i'm not going to engage in i would call this a defeated belief i'm not going to engage with uh, the facts of the gospel or the claims of christ because uh, because uh, I think homosexuality is right. This becomes a defeater belief, so that I just shut the door immediately to even opening up to it. There are more extensive defeater beliefs, though, that say, well, even if I open up the door, I can explain away every piece of evidence that you give because that's what naturalism does, right? Because I can give a naturalistic mm-hmm. explanation for all those things. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think sin is the ultimate defeater belief, Yeah. right? But then what I see in our postmodern culture is Listen, all that exists is a physical world, so if you have an idea that's, out, that's going to require something outside the physical world like God, well, then it's, it can't be the case. And so it's just the ultimate defeater, the, defeater belief. And if you've ever read Alvin Plantinga's book, Where the Conflict Really Lies, that's ultimately the premise of his book. Yeah. Natural, naturalism is the biggest one, and most things stem from it in the Western world. I mean, if somebody dis- disbelieves Christianity, it usually has, to, has its roots in some form of naturalism. Um, Others have other views. Uh, so, so the fact that the, the idea that there are all religions are of the same worth or unworth, it, depending on who you are, um, that that tends to be a defeater belief as well. Because then, he, so here's the thing. Uh, well, here's the claims of Christ. Here's who Jesus is. He rose from the dead, and you nod. Oh yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, you agree. And I'm like, oh, so you want to become a Christian? No. Nah. Well, why not? Well, that's your story. That's just one one way. I totally think that it's a legit. It's actually happened. It's great. Buddha also, right? Vishnu, whatever. Yeah. So this becomes an explanation for, right? It's a, you know, a better phrase actually for all of this is probably the word that Peter Berger called plausibility structures. It's a, the idea that that we, there are our, our beliefs form a structure, like a building, that house us. We feel like, okay, I can live here mm. because mm-hmm. I have all of these beliefs that explain the world around me. Uh, these plausibility structures sometimes don't have the foundations that we think they do. Uh, and that's the challenge, right? Naturalism, I don't think, has the foundations that people oh, yeah. claim it does. Absolutely. But it's a plausibility structure. And so anything that sits outside the plausibility structure, right, claim in an immaterial world, for example, or a naturalist, they just dismiss out of hand. They don't even feel like they need to engage it. It's a defeater belief. Yeah. Andy, you have something coming up shortly that probably talks about some of this stuff that we've just talked about. Yeah. Um, besides your book. Besides the book, which is coming out in March. Uh, <laughs> in time for this special event? It is, actually. Uh, wow. On March 6th and 7th. What's your book called? The book is called Thinking, Answering Life's Five Biggest no, Questions. Is it thinking or is it Thinking. Because <laughs> isn't it a question? It's a question. It is a question. Okay. So can you? So I, I appreciate Thinking? that, uh, Greg. The inflection is is quite important. Apparently not to you. <laughs> so continuing on, on March sixth and seventh. Didn't John Piper write a book called Think? 
Actually, he did. Okay, so he did. But actually. yours is different than that one. It is because I'm a better author than John. Okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first. I mean, wow. easily more I... prolific. <laughs> <laughs> well, I taught him how to preach. All right. Did you? Yeah, I did. Uh, so well, March sitting in the hot tub. You yes. think March sixth and seventh <laughs> is the Apologetics Canada Conference? We would love to see you out for that. We have uh, Nancy Piercy is going to be here. Jeff, tell people how awesome Nancy Piercy is. She is. She wrote one of the best books on Western culture there is called Total Truth. Mm-hmm. If you don't own the book Total Truth or haven't read it, you should. It explains a lot of what we just discussed a minute ago having to do with naturalism and why it's such a defeater belief for people. And in fact, if you were interning here, it's one of the required readings mm-hmm. of an internship at, at North U. Also, has a great book called The Soul of Science. Yes. Which is great. It explains how sh- there's no... She was a science uh, writer for years. It was, it, the book explains how there's no fight between science and Christianity. Yeah. Actually, Christianity and Christians spawned the modern scientific movement. But the she that was her. I think that's her background, isn't it? That she was a, a she was a science writer. You know what? I actually don't. At that part, I don't know. I just know that she went to Labrie, uh, Francis Schaeffer's, hmm. um, you know, spent some time out there, and. Uh, She's brilliant, though. Yeah, she's a brilliant, great writer, and she's going to be here. Uh, Sean McDowell's going to be here. Uh, Luis Marcos is uh, an expert in C.S. Lewis. He actually did a course with the great courses on C.S. Lewis, his life and works. And uh, and if you've ever enjoyed books like Chronicles of Narnia or, or any of C.S. Lewis's works, he, he basically is going to be talking about how Lewis would make arguments for God from myth and desire and how that looked in the different writings of C.S. Lewis. Mm. And so uh, it's going to be excellent. We also have uh, Mary Poplin's going to be out. She, uh, She's great, by the way. Yeah, Mary, Not Mary Poppins. Which would be awesome. Yeah, Darcy was just thinking of all those spoons full of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> she was a former atheist, uh, went to Calcutta, and uh, started serving out there, and Mother Teresa encouraged her to find her own Calcutta. And she went into inner city LA and has been working diligently in the school systems ever since. And wow. uh, she's she's an incredible lady, so she's going to be speaking as well. I, honestly, I think it's one of the best lineups we've ever the had. The White Horse Inn, which is a podcast that some of you might listen to who are listening to this, uh, you can actually listen to an interview with Mary Poplin on the White Horse Inn if you want to get a feel for what she talks about. Mike, Mike, Mike Horton inter- interviews her. It's really good. Yeah. And here's a... If you go online to buy a ticket, you can use discount code NORTHU15 and you'll Ooh. get a discount. Ooh. And so online where? Where do you oh, go yeah. to? Go to uh, either to Apologetics Canada or to go directly there, go to apologeticscanadaconference.com. Make sure you go to West Coast, not East Coast. Uh, and we actually had somebody ask for a refund because they accidentally bought on the East Coast. And you said uh, no. <laughs> you said, guess we you're We did give a them a refund. <laughs> uh, How much does the conference cost? You know, you'd have to take a look there. It's cheaper for students, and if you're a couple, it's cheaper as well. And then use your discount code. Because it's cheaper. That's what your, your answer. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? No, I don't keep track of that stuff. Okay. Who's in charge of this thing? My wife. <laughs> oh, so, so, so you don't like have everything in my life. At home. So, okay. So, you know, when I go, when I go to various uh, conferences, they give me free stuff like books. What swag like are you giving? So are you giving anything away? Like your book? Not your book. Well, it's cheaper. Sure. The book is going to be available there for, for cheaper. Free? What oh, book? For, for which book? For cheaper. Which book? Which book? My, the thinking. No thinking. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to have. Uh, you know, here, here's the swag we got this year. We've got. You're making this Cobbs. Up on the spot. Cobbs is going to be having cinnamon buns here Saturday morning Cobbs with bread. coffee. Cobbs bread. You have to buy those. For two bucks, though. That's oh, not that's for free. No, there's okay, nothing for so I don't for get free. a little bag. Yeah, bag on our seats. No, no, we don't do we don't do things for free. We, Come on, dude. 
See, other people jack the price of their conference so they can give you free stuff. We just we so make what's the, the conference, conference? As, as cheap as we can. So what is the price of a conference? I gotta talk to my wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out for you. Ladies and gentlemen, all the information you need from Andy Steiger. <laughs> yeah. He's very helpful. Uh, okay. Thanks, Andy. Um, does the Bible state clearly anywhere that homosexuality is a sin? Yes. All right, moving on to our next question. Uh, Where? What about Leviticus 22, 23 would be one place. Uh, I think that it's clear that it's a the sin in the in 1 Corinthians 6, and which it gives it a vice list and, of and reasons the, why sorry. it is, sorry, reasons why it is someone will not enter the kingdom of God. That's... First Corinthians six, Romans one. And compares I was just going to say, Paul's very, Paul's very clear as well. He, in the Greek, he's, it's the giving and the receiving yeah. of a homosexual act. Right, and and that language in First Corinthians six is drawn off of Leviticus, just so you know, the Septuagint version of Levi Leviticus. And so Paul is playing on. So there's a big debate about First Corinthians six and whether or not Paul, what what Paul's talking about there. Some say, oh, it's just what we call pederasty, the the homosexual. Uh, John with the male prostitute, the male boy prostitute, which was then. So some people say, oh, that's what he's talking about there. Well, ac actually, those, those terms were applied to those folks, but the language comes from Leviticus 23. Paul is drawing on, his, on that passage. So there's all kinds of sexual acts in Leviticus 23 that are condemned by God. Am I, am I right about Leviticus 23? I'm just stating that out loud, and I'm wondering if I got the text right, but maybe not. Ezra's looking it up quickly. Look for homosexuality and Leviticus in Leviticus, and that's the text I'm talking to, uh, talking about. There's a whole section where there's a series of sex acts li listed, including bestiality and uh, adultery and all sorts of things. So Leviticus 18:22. That might be right. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Yes. And maybe it's actually, I might be talking about Leviticus 20, where there's a big, big list. But anyway, you who are listening to me can evaluate my exact. So you'd uh, say it's reference. pretty clear Old Testament, and it's pretty clear. Well, I'm saying the Old Testament, Testament teaching on this is reaffirmed by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6. So, so I, I would I, say, I, I don't know how it could be any more clear, personally. Well, it's, it's a, I, I've said before that this is not a hard exegetical work. And I know that people have tried to, you know, um, God and the Gay Christian, Matthew Vine's book. He goes out of his way to try to argue a weird historical background that he has very little evidence, if any, for. This is just a novel way of trying to get out from under what the scriptures seem to be clearly teaching. And so I know it's real popular these days to try to do that, and I know there's big conferences that they have where they try to do this, but, you know, even I quoted in my sermon on, on, um, on this subject from the fall, and if you want to go there, that's where I would give some biblical evidence for the for, for what I just mm -hmm. said. And you can mm -hmm. go to it in our webpage, and you can look for the 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 Christian and homosexuality. I think is what it's called. It's in the you asked for it series. in the you asked for it series, and so y you can download that and you can listen to that. It was and in that's November. where my arguments right. yeah. uh, are. But uh, Luke Timothy Johnson, who is uh, he's a very liberal professor. Christian man, this claims to be a Christian man, but a very, li very liberal Christian. He, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's right when he says that we know what the Bible says about this. It's just the Bible's wrong. 
Like that's the way you have to go with this. Yeah. Like it, it, is, it will forever be an uphill battle for you trying to say that the Bible does not condemn homosexual acts because it does. So just admit the Bible's wrong or claim that the Bible's wrong and you'll be in far safer ground. Right. Now you just said liberal Christian. What does that mean? Well, I'm using that term the way that Jay Gresham Machen used it in the 1920s, where he was arguing in his book Christianity, Christianity and Liberalism that there is a whole other religion called theological liberalism or Christian liberalism. It's not actually Christian. It's not Christianity. It's a kind of, you use the similar terms to Christianity, but redefine them to mean other, other things. It's like and Christian so, deism. Yeah, there's some hallmarks to it. Uh, one of the hallmarks to it is that uh, the Bible is not, doesn't have a lot of truth value. It has some, but it doesn't really matter if it has truth value. The goal of the Christian faith is to get you feel something about God. It's therapeutic. And so we're not talking about truth and falsehood when we talk about what the Bible claims. What we're doing is we're talking about how it makes you feel. Now, you can actually see some of, the, some of that coming through in most of the arguments that the gay, the, 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 the God and the gay Christian crowd are, are following. Because they're essentially saying, Matthew Vines, one of his main arguments is, hey, this, this teaching of, about homosexuality being sinful or homosexual acts being sinful, right? Mm -hmm. This teaching leads to a lot of sorrow on the part of people, right? Bad therapy. Therefore, it's wrong. It can't be right. So he's assuming a theological liberalism appro approach to it and then saying, well, therefore, Christian, it's not right, so we need to redefine it. Mm. And I'm saying, no, actually, your fundamental error is to begin with this belief that that the goal of the scriptures is to make you feel good about you. Right. That actually the goal of the scriptures is to reveal something about God. And in the process of revealing about God, he's going to point out certain things about you. Namely, you're not him. And namely, that you have sinned against him, him in the most heinous way because he's infinitely holy and therefore you're worthy of infinite judgment. But there is a gracious God who gave his son who willingly went to a cross for you so that he might eternally pay for that, mm -hmm. with one act, eternally pay, and by faith now we access that and stand before God justified. Mm -hmm. This is good news, mm -hmm. right? That's the story of the scriptures. They don't want that to be the story of the scriptures. They want the story of the scriptures to be, now you're actually pretty good. You might need a little bit of help through education. That education came because Jesus lived a pretty good life, so live like him. And he would never condemn people the way you say he would because he's just not like that. Different. My point is, those are different religions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, question about uh, Mark 5. Uh, hey, extras. We're extras. <coughs> Doing some devotions and was reading the story when Jesus cast the demons out of the tormented man and let them go into the pigs. Mm -hmm. Why did Jesus have mercy on the demons and allow them into the pigs? If the end result during the second coming is that they will be destroyed, why does Jesus have mercy on them? I've looked around for uh, an answer on this. I haven't been able to find anything. Hoping you guys can help. Well, one of the things that I think is important for people to appreciate when they're reading the Bible, and particularly Mark, is ask yourself, why did Mark choose to put the story in there? Like, like what, what is he seeking to... To do by by having that story in there, and one of the clear points of this of this 
story is that is that he's he is see I think some people think like if you think about the Bible I think when we read like the New Testament people think oh it's like this like cooking like the way my mom would cook where she just throws a little bit a little of that and there's this kind of haphazard but when you read Mark you realize no he's building a case mm. he wants you to see and who Jesus is and he's demonstrating that Jesus has power over demons mm. and that and that they're not in control that he's in control so that's the main point of that passage I'm trying to figure out how we're concluding, though, that the that they weren't that there was mercy shown to the demons. Is the question essentially that that yeah, Jesus why? didn't ultimately <clears throat> judge them? And my answer, I think, to that question is because he will. Yeah. Because they the the pigs go into the sea, right? They goes into the pigs, and the pigs run into the sea, and the pigs are destroyed, which is a picture, of course, to what they were doing to the man, destroying him. And to the Jews, the pigs would have been unclean. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots Ooh. of imagery going on here. But I, I so don't, say there's I don't know if I would not. say he had mercy. Although if you're saying that he didn't, in that moment, destroy them forever and ever, I would say, actually, okay, so hell is reserved for the devil and his angels. That's for Revelation. And they will be, they, they will be judged forever there. Right? Mm-hmm. So I would say that perhaps the, the reason is the same reason that he doesn't judge sinners in this present moment with eternal fire, but he, remains patient with them, I suppose. But maybe that's the point that they're making. It's also interesting that it's not just one demon, it's many mm. demons. And again, Mark's showing that Jesus had power, he had dominion over them, and that they had to beg him for, for mercy. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know what? We're running out of time because there's a meeting that's going to happen in this room. So I think we'll uh, we'll call it there. Um, but just remind you, if you do have questions, please send them to extra at northview.org. We are running through our questions and getting low. There's still some from back in November, though, that we will be getting to. And uh, October, actually, there's still one to, uh, to did get Greg, to. Did Greg bury that one, you think? Yeah, Greg, Greg buried oh, yeah. some of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what happened to your Greg? There's no more uh, beard on your face. This you is look, true. You look a good five years younger, at least. I feel it. Do you know what? You know, all of a sudden I, I don't I do. respect you anymore. You know, that's okay. Uh, well, sure that okay. So reason number one, I'm hosting a, an event called uh, Breakfast with Two Bald Guys on Saturday. It's a men's breakfast thing, and I felt that showing up with the full head of hair is that this Saturday and a, and a beard would it have been taunting. mockery. It is taunting. Because I'm 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 hanging out with the two Mr. Clean, yeah, and it would just be mean. Secondly, um, does your dad? Have my a full wife hated hair? it. Yeah, yeah, he does. Does your grandparent, the grandfather, yeah. he has yeah. a full case? So you're, you're you're. I think I'm set. You're living large. Yeah, you I think I'm okay. There, there's there's your wife old men with hair all along my <laughs> family tree. Your, your wife did not like not a fan of the beard. The beard. So, her and I had made a deal that <clears throat> for about no, like November through January, I can have a beard. That was the the compromise, the marital compromise. Happy wife, happy life. So she she met, reminded me that Greg the, the Super Bowl's on February first, and that's the beard's coming off. And then after the game, after the game, did you next color morning, your beard and then cut it off? No, because I had to preach here on did Sunday. Did you night. cut it off in <laughs> stages? No, I have in the past. Oh, I think that that's way this more last, fun. It, it is, but oh, but then it's just you're in the. All alone in the washroom by yourself, shaving, <laughs> and you're like taking selfies, and it just feels very narcissistic to 
Because it is. More than once. So tell us about this two bald guys thing that's coming up this Saturday. Yeah, it's for men. It's a men's breakfast. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Vic and Andy about what it looks like to be a godly guy. It's $5 for breakfast. There will be lots of bacon to be had and then we'll mm, also talk bacon. about other things that you can be involved in as a guy like can you guarantee that there will be lots of bacon i have talked to our kitchen staff and they have guaranteed to me at least six pieces per guy will oh, be the minimum wow that is a nice so if you're a guy a nice and, you, thing to and hear. you take 18 just know that that's 15 bucks that <laughs> other other guys who are anticipating six pieces are no longer getting them. Right. So, so it's a bit of a community thing there. They're also serving a fruit salad, which I told our kitchen people don't expect a lot of that to be taken. Uh, I'd take some of the fruit salad. You would? Oh, yeah. You wrap it in bacon. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, it'll be good, good times. You don't have to, if you register ahead of time, it gives us an idea of numbers, but you can so show you up can at the door. So you can have six pieces of bacon. That's right. Yeah. Like so if you, you got 20 bucks, door. if you got 20 bucks, you could have 24 pieces of bacon. So wow. I'm not, I'm not good at math like that. What side if you had 100 bucks? Well, if you had $100, that would give you 600 pieces. No, it wouldn't. That would give you... No, it well, if you know the answer to that question, it's 120 pieces of bacon. Ezra's hanging his head Although, here. it's probably cheaper to just buy bacon. <laughs> you could do that, too. If your concern is purely the <laughs> yeah, amount of bacon, wanna, there's but a we'll cheaper take way. But we'll take your $100. Totally. Yeah. No, we're not saying, we're not saying that Can we you bring your own that. bacon and just cook it up here? BYOB. Yeah, is that doable? Andy, will the, will the Apologetics Canada Conference have any bacon? Absolutely not. Okay, so, okay, so this, I just went wow. no swag, no bacon. no bacon, but your book. That's correct. Okay. Which will be for cheap. Which will, Which be, will be for, for cheap. cheap. Hey, I found yes. out the prices. <laughs> oh, Andy, what were you thinking? <laughs> you have the prices of the conference that I Andy do. couldn't get. I do. So, <laughs> so the early bird prices, you're done. Can't get it anymore. Can't Sorry. get it. Oh. If, you're, if you're a student, it's going to cost you $45 until March 3rd. If you're an wow. adult, it's going to cost you 50 And if you're two people, it's $95 at the door. It's more money, though, because Because we know. do that kind of thing. Because yeah, at the door, it's $60 if you're a student or just one person or $120 for a couple, which is the same as $60 a person. It's not actually a deal. <laughs> yeah. By the way. Oh, That's you let it out of the bag. Andy was hoping <laughs> nobody would notice. What were you thinking? <laughs> or if there's three of you, it'll be $180. So make sure you use the discount code. That's a great deal, though, for, for all that's involved there. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.